my grandpa, my dad said. We spent all our time together. And I never remember my grandpa going, I never remember him going to church. I never remember him going to church. And, uh, or my grandma for that matter. My dad converted to Catholicism because my mom was Catholic, so we were raised in that. And uh, I really didn't know if my grandparents were saved. I mean, if your parents or your grandparents, you have that question. Did they know? Mm -hmm. You know? And uh, I was going through a photo album one day. I came upon this envelope. And I pulled open the envelope. And uh, I found my grandfather's eulogy. How many got a copy of their grandfather's eulogy? I want to read parts of this to you. The method to this, okay? <clears throat> Life is not made to move with calmness and this or quiet through all of our years. There are days of stress and crisis when the things that happen cause us deep distress. No journey is without its storms and no life is without its times of testing. However, these times are not a curse but a blessing. Only in times of stress and crisis can we find the depth of faith which we need to sustain us as now in the presence of death. Our faith is not a generalized faith. It must be our faith and it must be our specific needs. There is no crisis in generalized death. Death is tragic for us when it diminishes the circle of those with whom we live. Our faith must have several ingredients. High on the list must be willingness to look honestly at things as they are. Our faith is geared to reality, not to fanciful thought. Sometimes, even, even with our faith, it is difficult to see things as they really are. A traveler in Cairo, Egypt, told a stop, told a stopping in a marketplace to watch children weaving rugs. They work with a mechanical precision. However, the result of their labor seemed like a jumble of color and meaningless design. The supervisor children called the person the other side of the room where he could see the front of the rugs. From that point of view, there's a beautiful pattern and color. Mr. Boo's embroidery was much the same. I remember my granddad, he would sit there in his chair and he would embroider. He would do pillowcases. He'd sit there, smoke his pipe, look out the window and embroider. And we have some of his pillowcases at home. Mr. Boo's embroidery is much the same. I looked at pillowcases he was doing before his death. On one side, there's only confusion as many colored threads ran to and fro. But on the front of the pillowcase was a beautiful picture of a deer. What appears to us to be confusion and meaninglessness is in the hands of the master worker a piece of art and loveliness. Death doesn't make sense to us, but only because we cannot see the entire picture. We cannot see the grandeur of eternal life that reverts to the other side of our Christian death. It goes on to say that my grandfather accepted Christ as a very young lad. And I sat there and read this, and I started crying because I got my answer. God let me know that my grandfather is in heaven. Amen. You know, and I will see him again. It says, Mr. Bill, we are told to Jesus as a Savior many years ago. We have God's assurance when we do this. He will not leave us or forsake us. Our lives sometimes look like a tumbled mess. Mine was a tumble mess before I came to Christ. I mean, it was a mess before I came to Christ. 
And then you look on the back side, it's a whole different picture. What does God see of our lives? What does God see? His perspective. I've heard pastors talk about how does God look at things from heaven at your life? Because he doesn't see things the way we see them. This is not in my notes. <laughs> okay? But he doesn't see the way we see things. What we see as a mess, he sees as an opportunity. He comes and develops us, our character, our integrity, our lives, our relationships. He's always working. He's always working on our behalf. We've been talking the past couple of weeks, started out back in the book, the beginning in Genesis, about Adam and Eve and how God, the relationship they had, and how they felt. How God, how, how his heart felt. With his, his kids and how he found Noah, man of faith. And Abraham, it goes on through about the heart being deceived. None of us in this room had a pure heart before he came to Christ. Amen. Not a one of us. Amen. God says he saw man and their thoughts were continually evil. They're always thinking, and we see it today in our culture. They're always thinking up more and more evil. How can you be that creative to think of something new? There's nothing new under the sun. But there's something that happens. Let's go to chapter, let's go to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 2. You there? Yeah. Chapter 2. Start in verse 1. Ephesians <clears throat> 2, verse 1. And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, or of nature of children of wrath. Just as the others, we were no different than everybody else. But God, lowly hill, but God. Amen. But God, who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses of the sin, made us alive together with Christ. By grace have you been saved, and raised us up together, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then the ages to come He might show the exceedingly riches of His grace, His kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and now yourselves, is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. There's no boasting in our salvation. How many did you get saved? Nobody. I can't save a fly. Yes, people ask me all the time, how many did you get saved? None. I can't save nobody. It's the working of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. It draws people to Christ. Yep. Amen. And, oh, we are a messenger boys. That's right. I'm a news boy. That's yeah. all we are. And we cannot boast in it. 
For we are his workmanship. Amen. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, and we should walk in them. We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. Yes, we are. I mean, we have beautiful artwork, sculptures, buildings, architecture. But God looks at you as His masterpiece. Amen. You gave God a choice between a Rembrandt and a Mike Phoenix. I think you take the Mike Phoenix. Amen. But He loves Mike. He's yeah. passionate about Mike. We are His workmanship, created, 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 being regenerated, that we're prepared to fit together with others. Someplace I've read that where we are like something about the body of Christ fitly joined together. We are created as His workmanship fitly joined with others to do the work. And the works that he's talking about here are benevolent works. What a man is and how he acts. When you come to Christ, something changes in you. Amen. He said he takes out the heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh. And that heart of flesh beats a compassion for others that you may not have had before. You may find yourself talking to somebody and start weeping over somebody. And you're talking, you're like, what in the world happened to me? What's going on here? The Spirit of God in you. And you find yourself weeping over somebody. What's that? That's intercession. The good works that He prepared for you. The good works He's talking about is the result of salvation, not a means of salvation. It's a response of salvation. You go and you do good works. Jesus did good works, and there are type, different types of good works, but the way He's talking about it is benevolence. Jesus still talked about good works where there's miracles. That's a different type. We have those also. He caused to do all those. These good works are only acceptable unto God and are only possible through God's grace active in one's heart. It's that heart change that we've been talking about for the past couple of weeks. It's the heart of man that's been changed. That heart is gone. He's taken it and he's plowed it. He's beaten it under. He's tenderized it. Your God's presence and the tears start coming. start getting warm. You've been tenderized. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. Those works. Go to Revelations 20. Verse 11. 
Then I saw a great white throne, and whom who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and hate, death and hate delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. There's two books. Amen. The book of life, the book of remembrance. Where he writes down the works. The things we've done. They were judged by the things, their works. At the great white throne judgment. I'm not going to be at the great white throne judgment. Amen. Thank you very much. Amen. I'm going to be at the mercy seat. That's where I'm going to be. Anybody going to be with me? Yeah. This is reserved for those who have not come to Christ. It's interesting that there's a judge of the works. The works that they did on the way. Where's I going? I was going someplace today. Where did I go today? Arshlands. <laughs> Kroger. I see, because you know, you know good people who are doing good works. Yeah. But they're not Christians. That's right. Yeah. Without Christ, they're the good works. They're works. You can't earn salvation from works. No. I tried. It don't work. <laughs> good works don't work. You can't you can't earn your way into heaven. Right. No. You can't work your way in heaven. Even after I gave my life to Christ, I worked and I worked. I was trying to regain God's approval. And I was always that short. I could never please my, my God until I found out about His unconditional love for me. That I could not earn His grace. I could not earn His salvation. No matter how hard I worked. But yet we need to work. Go to Matthew 25. starting in verse 31. Got it? When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory, and all the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one from another, as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And He will set the sheep on His right hand, but the goats on the left. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. 
I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you drink? When do we see you a stranger and take you in? Or naked and clothe you? Or when do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Assuredly I say to you, Inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of my brethren, you did it to me. Those are good works that we've been created to do. Then he'll say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed, and the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angel. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, you did not take me in. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, you did not visit me. Then they will answer him and say, Lord, when did you see? When did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison, and did not minister to you? And he will answer them, saying, Surely I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to not the one least of these, you did it not to me. And this will go away into everlasting punishment, and the righteous into eternal life. Sounds like Revelation 20. Yeah. For God judges the works. And every one of us are going to give an account of the works. It says it'll be tried by fire. Let's go to the book of James. Chapter 2. Book of James. Verse 14. What does it profit, my brethren, if one someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, then one of you say to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Very self-explanatory. Some will say, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith with that work, and I will show you my faith by my works. Yeah. Do you believe in God, that there is one God? You do well. Even the de demons believe and tremble. Why would he put that in the midst of talking about works? Do you believe in God? He's talking about good works here, in the middle of it. You believe in God, you do well for the demons believe, and they tremble. Sometimes the demons are smarter than we are. They tremble at God. They know who He is. And we go about our business. Most of you here, I know you, and most of you work. Most of you are involved in ministry. Most of you do stuff. You work. Good works. A lot of people come to church. They believe in God. 
That's as far as it goes. I believe we missed something here in the body of Christ. When I got saved, I got involved. <laughs> we got we were divorced, you know. We got remarried on a Friday night. This is Saturday morning we had a family conference at a church and we were there setting up and serving. We've done it ever since. Not bragging on us, but just that's what you do. You serve. Amen. You serve. No. You get to go downtown to bring somebody home. Didn't say that. I've done it. I've done it. If God leads me, I'll do it. You do what you do. You know what a servant is? I believe a servant is somebody who's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Amen. Amen. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh, there's a piece of chewed up bubble gum on the floor. You pick it up, you walk around. You know that piece of chewing gum where it could have been at? But there's stuff in the bathroom called soap. Amen. A piece of paper on the floor. I believe when we come to God's house, it should be spotless. Amen. That's how I feel. Amen. You have faith. You don't have words to go with it, so it's dead. But do you want to know a foolish man that faith without works is dead? Verse 21 is not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son the order? Do you see that faith was working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture is fulfilled which says, Abraham believed God and was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. Yep. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. When we get to heaven and God opens that book of remembrance, I want to have pages. Amen. I want to have pages. Is that my goal? Is that as I'm working for that? No. The Spirit of God compels you to do these things, to love each other. It's about the love of God that's in us, right? Isn't that what it's about? Yeah. It's that love that's changed. There's fruits of repentance. There's those works that come up because you love Jesus. You love God. You want to bless His people. Go to 1 Timothy. Chapter 5. Starting in verse 9. Do not let a widow under 60 years old be taken into the number, and not unless she has been a wife of one man. Well reported for good works. If she has brought children, if she has lost strangers, 
if she has washed the saints' feet, if she has relieved the afflicted, if she has diligently followed every good work. But refuse the younger widows, for when they have begun to grow wanton against Christ, they desire to marry, having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. And besides, they have learned to be idle, wandering about the house to house, and not only idle, but also gossip and busybody, saying things which they ought not. Therefore, I desire that younger widows marry, marry, bear children, manage the house, give no opportunity to the adversary to speak reproachfully. For some have already turned aside from Satan. If any believing man or woman has widows, let them relieve them. Do not let the church be burdened, that it may relieve those who are really widows. Being witnessed by others. Widow who was doing these accidents, everybody knew what was going on. He had witnesses. People saw what was going on. Go down to verse 24. Chapter 9. So in chapter 5. Verse 24. Some men's sins are clearly evident, foreseeing them in judgment, but those of some men fall later. Likewise, the good works of some are clearly evident. You see. There's fruits. There's fruits that's being born. There's something's changing that man or that woman. Or they are taking the opportunity to do things, to bless the body. Remember back in Acts, you have the disciples say it's not right for us to wait on tables. We need to give ourselves to the word. So you all select men of the Holy Ghost, of good report. And they selected the men, Philip, Stephen, and others, to wait on the table, serving people. That's what it's all about. Go to chapter 6. First Timothy 6, 17. those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches but the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Let them do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come, that they may lay hold of eternal life. The good works are storing up treasures. moth and rust cannot get to. And those good treasures you're going to get rewards for. Those good works you get rewards for. Do you do it for the rewards? No. Then why do you do it? Why do you love us? Yeah, because you first love me. But you love God and you love people. But he put a love in your heart. Ooh, it's like a song. <laughs> Eric knows that song. Put a little love in your heart. Oh, come on. <laughs> Let's go to the book of Hebrews. I got scriptures. 
I uh, gave my wife her dining room table back this afternoon. <laughs> I put all my books and all my study and stuff away. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. The theme of my message tonight, good work, in case you didn't know. Okay? Verse 24. 10, 24. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more to see the day approach. Stirring each other up to good works. Amen. Stirring it up to good works. Provoking. Does it say provoking? No. Sure. No. Stirring up and love and good works. One version says provoking each other to good works. Provoking. How do you provoke somebody to good works? Just calling them out. I don't know. Darlene's got a sign-up sheet for the picnic. There's opportunities. Yeah. The work. You notice we go to the picnic. When we get there, there's a bunch of guys out there and they're playing cricket. Anybody knows them? Yeah. After mm-hmm. playing cricket, opportunity knocks. Guess what they're doing? They're sweating. Guess what they like to have? A nice bottle of cold yeah. water. And we got cold water. Right. Ready some cold water and go have a nice chat. I, I learned about cricket last year. Started a nice conversation. I knew baseball. I didn't know nothing about cricket. But it was a nice way to get into a conversation by giving her a bottle of water and sitting there having a nice chat with her. Good work. That's what it's about. Matthew. You all know this one. Chapter 5. <laughs> Starting in chapter 13. You are the salt of the earth. But if that salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Has the church lost its saltiness? Mm-hmm. 
It is then good for nothing but be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. It's also no good. It's good for nothing. Get rid of it. You are a light of the world. A city that sits on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it in a basket. But on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Good works, salt, season. That's how they know. They'll know you are Christians by your works. Love. Love. God is love. God lives in us. He fills us with his love so we can show love to others. How you do that? By good works. Titus. Everybody loves the book of Titus. Well, let's say I heard somebody preach out of the book of Titus. Back with all the keys. Chapter one. chapter uh, verse 10. Titus 1.10 For are many, for there are many important, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those with circumcision, whose mouth must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. One of them, a prophet of their own, said Christians are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled, an unbelievable thing is pure. But even their mind and conscience are defiled. They profess to know God, but in works, they deny Him. They know God, but in their works, they deny Him. In their acts, they deny Him. This disobedient and disqualified for every good work. There are those who say, yeah, but yet the actions don't correspond. Remember, the good works are the result of salvation, not a means of salvation. They're acceptable yeah. unto God, are only possible yeah. through God's grace, active in one's heart. Apparently, something was wrong with these people. They proclaimed they knew God, but their actions didn't correspond. Their heart hadn't changed. Amen. The heart changed. 
And that's what it takes as a Christian. Staying in Titus. Chapter 3, excuse me, sorry. Simon Titus, chapter 1, chapter 3, verse 1. Be minded to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceful, gentle, showing all humility to all men. For we ourselves were also once foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving various lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. For when the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appear, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the worsening of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that having been justified by his grace, we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want you to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works these things are good and profitable to men. You have to make work to maintain good work. How many work in the pan? See the hand. Work in the pan. Weekend, weekend. It's work. Is it work? Yeah. It's work. Is it good? Yeah. Is God pleased? Yes. Hebrews it says, God is not unfaithful to remember the labors of love that you have shown to his people and to his ministers. He's not he remembers everything you do. He writes it down in a book of remembrance. And one day you're going to stand before and be judged by what you have done. And you'll receive the crown of glory. You'll become rulers over cities. Some. Some of us, like me, might just be a maintenance guy in your mansion. Which is fine. I enjoy doing maintenance work. Yeah, amen. I don't. I don't know. I think down here. I think we're the training ground for us. That's right. I think we're going to be in God's presence all the time. You're not going to be able. You're not going to be able to escape His presence because He's there. He's the light. He's going to shine every place we go. You're going to see him. But you're going to be busy. I remember one time, a couple years ago, I was taking out garbage to the, to the gondola, closing out the pantry. And Mr. Collison pulled up in his truck. And he says to me, you know what you're doing? It's an act of worship. 
That's how you. Not the way you see it, the way God sees it. You forgot that chewing gum. It's an act of worship. That's how God, I believe that's how God sees it. You do things for each other, it's an act of worship. It's your perspective on things. It ain't just taking out garbage. I've taken out a lot of garbage over my years. <laughs> I've taken out a lot of garbage. Some of it not in bags. <laughs> what you do. I forget it was Jeremy or somebody talking about, I think I mentioned this last week about Chris, I might have been talking to Sacrament. Said, well, all these people want to do this, just take advantage of you. They walk all over you. Talking to Keith Crane, that's all they do. They're taking advantage of you. And Keith Crane said, well, what's a Christian for? <laughs> I'm just doing my part. You know what that person's doing? Doesn't really matter. It's your perspective and God's perspective. I know pastors can take advantage of you. We all have been. But that's not the purpose of it. I believe when that happens that the Holy Spirit can be actively involved in that bring conviction on that person. And I, he'll get his reward and I'll get mine. We maintain the works. We keep on doing it. We keep going. I retired four years ago. I'm not. Re I'm retired from, from GE, but I'm not retired from the kingdom. That's right. That's right. Yep. We don't stop. I have no intentions of stopping doing that. You go. You touch lives. Amen. You pick up garbage. You fix food to take to the coast, take the bar and rip. That's benevolence. It's works. You pray. You walk. You walk. You just don't talk it. You walk it. And God sees it. Amen. Second Corinthians says the love of God compels us. Mm -hmm. It compels us. You cannot be quiet. And as we go about our life in the Christian walk, God will give you something. Me and Eric were talking earlier. And uh, Eric, there's two things God wants from us. Wants us to be happy, wants us to be obedient. You can't have one without the other. They work together. If I'm not obedient, I'm not going to be a happy camper. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to be miserable. If I'm walking happy and the Holy Spirit tells me to do something and I do it, maybe it's on Him then. You know, it took a long time to figure out who I had the mind of Christ. And sometimes it gets me in trouble. That's okay. You know? But it's the works that we do that shows that we're saved by grace. It's what we do. It's who we are. We're God's people. And we love each other. Amen. If I come up and I say, I love you, but I don't do something when you need help, is that really love? 
There's a scripture someplace back in John. John 3, 3.16, I think. So God so loved that he gave. That's action. What if God so loved but he didn't give the son? We wouldn't be here. But it's action. There's always action. The Christian life is action. It's not passivity. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Amen. Amen. It's not a spectator sport. You're actively engaged. Yeah. Mike is actively engaged in Scotland. Doing what God has called him to do. And that's where we're at. And God has written it down in his book of remembrance and in the book of life. And one of these days, we're going to stand before him and give an account. For a year, ten years, I like to tell stories. Jesus told parables. I get in trouble telling stories. <laughs> we had gone to a uh, street ministers conference in Dallas, Texas. And we went and registered. I got the syllabus. And I sat down in our room. I opened up the syllabus. And this gentleman had a class in there. And it was about taking care of homeless. Homeless people. And I read the syllabus and I started crying. So it was so profound. I picked up my stuff and I went downstairs. I left the room. I read it again. find a hungry person. You go to the cabin. You get a can of soup. You give it to the hungry person. The hungry person is no longer hungry. So profound. So deep. It messed me up totally. Then the Holy Spirit got involved in it. He started talking to me. He told me what he wanted us to do. How to start making soup beans and ham and get cups and go downtown and start driving the streets downtown Cincinnati looking for homeless people and start serving people these cups. 16-ounce cup of soups in the wintertime of, of soup beans that my wife would prepare. Talking to them, sharing with them. We did that for 10 years. Then we moved into Washington Park. Set up the table. Started serving people. We served 400 people on Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon. Meals. We preached. We worshiped. Clean up. God showed up. Amen. Amen. God showed up. Amen. Miracles. Amen. You know in the book of Matthew... You read the book of Matthew, the first miracle Jesus did was in the synagogue with the man's withered hand. And after that, every other miracle is outside the synagogue. It's out with the people. That says something. So we fed downtown. We did that every Saturday. A lot of work, just like in the pantry. A lot of work goes, a lot of stuff goes into it. We had a lot of people helping us. 
people come and say, where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit? And it really started playing on my mind. God, where's the fruit? Am I going to... When this gets burned up, is it all going to be burned up and we left of it? Is this all stubble? What's going to be left of it? I mean, I spent 10 years of our lives doing this. Then I come to realize that's not my call. But I'm just a messenger. I was being obedient to what God had called us Amen. to do. And it falls on Him. I'm not worried about it. But, but the enemy comes in and gets on your mind and starts playing these things on your mind. And I was trying to do what I knew to do. And it all started with that little thing and that little syllabus. It's amazing. It was absolutely amazing. It would rain, be pouring down rain, we'd pull into that park, and it'd be dry as a room. It'd be raining outside, and in the park, it'd be dry. Yeah. Every week. Every week. A couple weeks ago, last week, last week, Crystal said, Dan, we're running out of food. And I said, keep on serving. That's right. You know what? We had food left over. That's right. <laughs> How did I know that? Experienced that down there because lady would tell me, Dan, we're running out of food. I said, Rose, keep serving. As long as people were coming and get food, we had food. But the last one was there, we'd be out. We never ran out of food. Amen. God does Amen. what God does. Yes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yes. He looks at what you do and He gets involved in it. Amen. So when you're doing the works of God, He's involved in the works of God. They're His works that He's put in your heart to do. And you're just being obedient has nothing to do with you. It's about obedience. It ain't about the self. Because God gets all the glory. Amen. Yeah. He gets all the glory. Every Hallelujah. bit of it. Hallelujah. Every bit of it. Amen. 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 And I read the rewards of it. We read the rewards of what He does. Amen. Amen. Um, that's all I got for tonight. Thank you for allowing me to speak, Pastor. I really appreciate it, Pastor Darling. And for y'all coming out. Thank you. Do the works of God. Amen. Do the works of God. Get involved. Get involved someplace. Doing something.